and welcome back to another episode of Much Language, Such Talk. Today you're hearing from me, Brittany, and Eva Maria. In today's episode, we will be talking about an organization which is very near and dear to my heart. Lingo Flamingo is a social enterprise based in Glasgow, making language learning fun and accessible to adults of all ages, and in particular older adults and those living with dementia. We are joined by Lingo Flamingo founding director, Robbie Norville. <laughs> who is here to tell us a bit more about Lingo Flamingo, their story, and the incredible work that they do. Welcome, Robbie. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. The first question uh, for our listeners and people who maybe aren't so familiar with the glorious work that Lingo Flamingo does is, what is Lingo Flamingo? Yes, it's a good question. Actually, I think people, when they hear Lingo Flamingo, think it's a type of dance move, potentially. Um, oh. Lingo Flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Every lingua language is actually what we do is it's a it's a language school, but we try to make languages accessible for people from different backgrounds. Um, so I actually my my background was my um, my grand was living with dementia, and at that time there wasn't very much in terms of non pharmaceutical interventions for her. And that's actually when I came across some really interesting research from the University of Edinburgh regarding bilingualism being a really great way of keeping the brain active and um, the effects that actually the positive effects that had in postponing dementia. So from that day, we started to do very tailored uh, sensory organic learn language lessons for older adults, primarily in the care homes or in day centers across Scotland. Amazing. So oh, it's just, I just love Lingo Flamingo so much. Yes. So when... That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. It's just so amazing. So when you decided to start Lingo, would you, you have a background in languages or was it a case of caring more so for the circumstances that your grand was in and wanting to, to provide a resource for other people in a similar circumstance? Yeah, a kind of combination of all, all three, actually. Or all, um, so my, my grandma had dementia, but I also had worked as a carer in a care home before. So I'd witnessed um, a lot of activities which maybe weren't that meaningful for older adults. Although, to be fair, to care, the care sector is, is a very difficult balance and they have a lot of demands. So I've always had a lot of admiration for care workers. Um, and then I lived in, in Germany for quite a few years. So I saw the the benefits of what uh, learning German did for me, not in terms of the economic benefits, but in terms of things of um, sense of purpose and um, all the new friendships that opened up as well. And I, I saw languages in a new light. For me, it wasn't about the fluency of the language. It was about like the journey and the accessibility that language could bring. So, yes, yeah, so I can have a combination of those factors. So how good is your German now? Uh, are you a German native speaker? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's not it's not bad. As it's good, as it's just, um, einigermaßen ein bisschen eingerostet, aber ich habe mich ganz gut eingedeutscht, als ich in Bayern war. So it's okay. It sounds perfect. I'm lost. Yeah. So it sounds Amazing. good to me because I don't know what's going on. And me, the didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's, um, I was very yeah, I was very Bavarian, so that's where my my German heart lies. So. Um, where, are you, where are you from yourself, Eva Maria? The north, northwest. The north. So the other end, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, small worlds. I'm sorry, I didn't actually realize you were German. You're, so I thought you were maybe American. I was like, what's that accent? You might be from Maine or Vermont. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, Vermont. Oh, no. <laughs> Vermont. <laughs> so, you know, so you've mentioned that you lived in Germany, you know German. What other what other languages do you know, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm like a, a language grafter, to be honest. So I know a bit of um, a bit of Danish and Swedish, but um, I always feel a bit embarrassed when I talk to proper linguists and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I know a bit of um, Swedish and German, but I'm oh, sorry, I know a bit of Swedish and Danish and German. So the Germanic languages are, are my thing. Mm -hmm. And my, my Glaswegian is getting better. I'm originally from Ayrshire, but now my Glaswegian, after living there for a few years, is, is 
fairly fluent as well. Nice. nice. Um, Brittany mentioned that you're also doing a PhD. So what is your PhD in? Yeah, so it's quite similar actually to what I've described. So I'm looking at the impact of um, non-pharmaceutical interventions for people living with dementia, but looking at the role that social enterprises play in delivering them. So actually, when the PhD came up, it was very similar to to what I do. So um, I'm not looking at languages, sadly, but I, I'm looking at um, one's this really amazing over 65 disco in the west end of Glasgow, which um, yes. so it takes place on Monday morning every week, and it's just such an amazing environment. And the themes from that have been uh, really fantastic, looking at busting open these preconceptions about what we can do as older adults um, and also what activities are appropriate or what society deems uh, activities to be appropriate. So disco in its essence is really fantastic because it's um, a very freeing dance. It, it's always, uh, the themes are similar to how disco emerged in terms of um, a lot of um, being a safe haven for people from LGBT communities, from um, from from black communities and for, for women as well. So disco in its essence, because you could dance individually has been a really interesting and um, avenue for lots of people. And similar to that, what's happened is the older adults, although a lot of society says you're too old to go to disco or too old to dance, they find a, a very safe haven for them. So it's really interesting how the themes can parallel to why disco was originally kind of created as such. Um, and also doing a couple of case studies on uh, um, creative writing for older adults and people with dementia and also a golf-friendly intervention as well. So three case studies I'm doing at the moment. So yeah, I'm just in the joy stage of writing up at the moment. So it's lucky that you got to speak to me in the first the first month of my first year rather than the 12th month. So so interesting though. I also, I just think that's so interesting. But yes, it's true. Um, we're both sort of, well, we're, we're similar stages, Robbie, in our, yeah, our yeah, PhD. Yeah. But Ava Marie is um, a little bit further and she's beginning the ending stages of mass writing and all the fun times. Uh, I want to hand in, in like maybe spring, but that sounds very interesting. Yeah. It's super cool. So sort of relating to Lingo Flamingo and sort of ex extending that into other domains and seeing how it all getting a whole broader picture of non-pharmaceutical interventions in the, in the care sector and, and the impact that these things can have. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's really cool in some ways because we've as Lingo Flamingo, we've had a lot of um, a lot of stigma about older adults that can't learn a, a new language or people with dementia that they can't learn anything new. So actually, there's a lot of similar themes which I've experienced as a practitioner as well as now as a researcher. So yeah, it's really interesting and it's fitted in well into what I what I do. One question some listeners might have: Why flamingos? So how did we? How did you end up with besides the wonderful name that is Lingo Flamingo? How did the flamingo? come to you as 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 the representation yeah i mean i like to think that i started this flamingo fads which started about five years ago i like to think that was lingo flamingo that started you I see think all yes. these flamingos in the shops i think yeah, that was definitely responsible um no i think that um partly the reason was like i guess we were trying to make language learning quite quite fun and quite accessible and moving away from connotations of language learning being all about grammar or or really difficult we wanted to show that language learning could be quite organic and fun and also, like, if something rhymes, your choice is like to remember it. So we're working with people who have cognitive impairment. So Lingo Flamingo worked quite well as a, a name people would remember, but also quite, quite fun. And actually, it's worked out very well for our branding. We have lots of flamingos all over the place these days. And I think I now possess something like seven flamingo shirts. So, yes, yeah, so it's just a ball. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I do have some various flamingo items. And every time I see something with flamingos, I'm like, oh, I want, I need that. So I've got like a little mug. <laughs> I don't have it with me just now. But I've got like a little tumbler mug thing with flamingos. Every time I see them, I'm like, oh, yes. It's helpful that it's now a trend that you started, that flamingos are everywhere. <laughs> Very nice. Cool. So uh, you mentioned that you started five years ago, was that? 
Yeah, 2005, yep. Sorry, 2015, sorry, yep, five years ago. Yeah, five years ago, perfect. But how how did you start, like, especially regarding funding and everything? How did that go? Yeah, I mean, as, as partly, so I, I had a good friend who was involved in the social enterprise sector. And I guess, you know, um, what's becoming quite interesting is social enterprise has become a lot more prominent in the last maybe 10 years. It's certainly been quite well supported by the Scottish government. So we were quite lucky at the time that we kind of, um, we kind of said the idea and we managed to get some initial funding to kind of pilot the project. So the funding kind of went towards us developing lesson plans and just to see, you know, to do um, focus groups and care homes and with organisations across the care sector to see if this is a viable idea. And then from then, um, you know, we started to get some more grant funding and we started to show the social impact of what we were doing and, and building upon the basis and tailoring that, the lesson plans and trying to make it a really kind of interesting experience for older adults. So yeah, it's been a, a good journey. A kind of roller coaster, but generally going up rather than down, which is which is beneficial. Well, that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And would you say you had sort of already mentioned that there's a little bit of hesitation um, when when initially presenting this idea? Would you say that there were more hesitation than people being immediately on board with the idea when you started out in terms of organizations you might work with or care homes where you might provide these classes? Yeah, I mean uh, the thing is this the stigma which exists within languages. I think. Um, the UK is in an interesting position, and maybe actually Britain and America might be similar in terms of having, you know, having English as your mother tongue. It, it does you have a different relationship to foreign languages, maybe than being a, an EU national from different mm-hmm. countries where you're. Um, so I think, and a lot of people, especially older adults, the these at school they might have learned Latin or Greek or you know ancient languages, and, and things have changed. And they they spoke to to me about getting the belt or. Um, you know, getting getting yelled at for making mistakes, oh, wow. and so they they have negative connotations about language learning. So what we've tried to do is to try and show that language learning is organic and fun, fun, and it's not about fluency. And this is a thing I think for a lot of English speakers as well. When you go go abroad and you speak to someone and they reply to you in English, that um, although that can be a bit disheartening. So what we're trying to say is, but it's the effort that you're putting in, and actually that's still really appreciated by native speakers that you're you're trying part of their language as well. So we're we're trying to show that. It's not about fluency and people don't worry about making mistakes. That's just part of the journey. Definitely. I think that's something, because as you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish. Uh, that's something from the Lingo Flamingo ethos that I've tried to adapt and, and adopt into my own learning experience because it, it can be really just so much pressure if you feel that you need to be perfect all the time and you need to to really master something and have a fluency-like level, whereas the journey is as the saying goes, right, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. I think it's a very similar, similar idea here. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I love that approach to languages. Um, but how, what, what languages do you offer? So we, we have, so just to put it in context, we have, we have two streams as such. So we have our care homes and day centers languages, and we also have a, a small language hub in Shawland. So we offer different languages for, for both avenues, if you'd like. So uh-huh. we offer in the care homes, we offer primarily Spanish, Italian, French, and German. Um, it's interesting actually if in the care home elements, because, um, Italian and certain care homes, depending on like their social status, have links to certain languages. So Italian seems to be more popular in care homes in more affluent areas. It's partly because people would kind of go abroad to Italy and it's a kind of cultural holiday, whereas people maybe from more working class areas would tend to go to Spain. Um, and even within that, like German has been, it's more popular now, but it's, it's been more difficult because people have um, preconceptions about Germany as a country because of the war and they were brought up in a kind of post-war environment mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's actually interesting as well, the connections people have to languages um, 
but from that have a kind of antidote that I remember we had a German teacher and then one of the one of the participants said, you know, Sabina for our German, you're not too bad. And then she said, How many Germans have you met? And he said, Oh, you're the first one. And it's interesting because you have these mm. preconceptions or stigma in your mind about something which happened seventy years ago, but it still stays stays with you. So what I like as well about Lingo is they were trying to yeah, trying to challenge preconceptions or just quite organically show that People are just people as individuals rather than this kind of this stigma that's often attached to nationalities or language. Yeah, it always, I mean, obviously being German, it always hurts a little to hear that. Um, not just for all the misconceptions, but also because I'm, I really, really, and really like and love and enjoy the German language. It's very poetic and people always have this weird connotation of it being very aggressive when it's really not. So people, uh, listen up. German is great, <laughs> but yeah. Well, if it, um, well, actually, German's becoming in our in our languages in terms of our, our um, sorry, our hub class is German's very popular. It's interesting because it's yeah. become a very, we have a very young kind of hipster crowd. So this, you have your very, very you know, Berlin type wannabes who are learning German. So uh, Germans have a kind of revolution in its own way. And it's a generational thing as well. So it's interesting how languages are evolving and how their perception changes. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> so what other sort of languages do you have on offer in the hub classes? So is that more directed towards general public, maybe not specifically people in care homes? Or what is the target audience, I guess? Yeah, so that was what we did um, two and a half years ago was we got some social investment. So we, we kind of bought the, the hub with that because what we were finding is that um, as a social enterprise, we were kind of breaking even with our projects in the care homes. And I mean, for us, the care home projects are much more about the social impact of, with older adults. So we had a kind of Robin Hood approach that we charged care homes, which had maybe a bit more funding. And then we did projects either through our own surplus or through grant funding for care homes in more deprived areas of Scotland. Um, but the, the the margins were always quite tight. So we've always had quite a big following, um, relatively so on Facebook and social media from the community. So um, in the south side of Glasgow, we opened a small language school just to try and get diversify our income streams and to get um, language teaching in a kind of organic and fun environment within the hub. So yeah, the hub's a bit different. I mean, we do the four core languages I just I just mentioned, but we also do uh, we do Polish, we also mm. do um, Japanese, we do Portuguese. So we have a bit more wow. variety. And, and Japanese is actually the most I mean growing in popularity and again it's an interesting kind of connections people have through um, Japanese culture and from that coming in Netflix I think has had a big effect on people mm. being more aware of Japanese culture so yeah so it's interesting how languages and um, evolve and, and how the popularity changes within the hub or the career home classes. Definitely that's yeah, very interesting and so how are the classes structured I'm guessing that there's tutors for the hub and then also for the care homes but is there also a difference in between how these classes are structured? Yeah, there's, there's quite quite substantial differences. So we, uh, like care homes, we focus a lot on, you know, um, more time, I mean, time appropriate things. So we might talk about Bridget Bardot or Sophia Loren, or we, we might talk about, um, you know, things which are maybe associated slightly with the, the past. Like we have lots of reminiscence in our classes. So pictures from Benidorm or from, um, from Madrid from 1960s, 1970s, we also incorporate, you know, world, um, if we're doing numbers, for example, we might choose World Cups, which are quite famous to people living in Scotland when we, when we used to qualify for World Cups. So uh, <laughs> things like that. So, uh, it's, so it's all very tailored. And it's, the, the Kieran classes is almost more about a taster into the language. So it's not so much about, um, you know, 
certainly not about perfecting the grammar, but maybe giving a small insight into having different forms of you or you know having the, the data for genitive, um, for example, whereas the, the language classes in the hub are more about building up a, a level and kind of progressing level-wise from A1, you know, um, the European framework of languages up to up to B2 at the moment. So, yeah, so they're quite quite different. Like, different aims. The, the care home classes are much more about a meaningful activity, which is hopefully exciting and engaging. And although we, we try and have that in, the, in, our, in our classes in the hub, and we have really worked hard at making a very homely environment where we we play music in the background and we have tea and coffee and it's moving away from you know classroom preconceptions but they're different in terms of your aims and objectives from the classes mm-hmm, definitely and in terms of the length of these classes so how long is the usual term is it 10 weeks is it eight weeks and does that differ likely i would imagine between the the care homes and the the hub classes yeah so again the care care homes would be 10 week classes and it's uh, one hour a week i mean Normally, so um, it depends. People sometimes dementia can be quite um, one hour can be a bit challenging sometimes, depending on where we are on the journey. Um, so sometimes it might be a wee bit shorter, fifty minutes. It depends on kind of concentration and how the kind of natural flow of the classes. Uh, whereas the classes in the hub are a bit longer, so they're they're ninety minutes in total. So yeah, and the class sizes really range. Again, care home classes normally a wee bit smaller, so they might be between four to ten people, whereas the hub classes are generally about eight to twelve. Still, quite a good yeah. group size. Yeah, I mean, we've we've focused on that as well. Like, um, we've tried to make the group sizes quite small to try and build up, you know, peer connections within the classes, and also, you know, to I think it is about some to some extent about immersion. Like, you know, the more the smaller the classes, the more quality time you have with the teachers. So we've we've been quite wary of trying to make the classes quite small and trying to keep the atmosphere quite yeah quite enjoyable for the participants. And during the past few months, um, we might not. Want to? We all know what I'm referring to, the fact that there is a pandemic. How have things transitioned for Lingo in terms of moving online? I think, right, the, the hub classes we have, you have them on offer online, which yep. if anyone's interested, you can join. <laughs> online means you can be anywhere in the world. And what's, what's I guess, the scenario in the care sector? Yeah, I like your shameless plug on behalf of us. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. This, this <laughs> Always. <laughs> uh, yeah, the care home classes has been yeah, it's been it's been tricky. I mean, the care home sector has uh, been had a very difficult time yeah. with COVID, unfortunately. And um, I guess one one benefit of that, to some extent, is that they're they're more in the spotlight. And I I do think that carers, especially if in um, the care home sectors, are are often underpaid and undervalued. And I think they do such a fantastic job, and are really unsung heroes so I, I am pleased that hopefully yeah. the dialogue is changing regarding uh, first of all their their pay but also like their their relevance in society and that um, you know key workers shouldn't be defined by salaries but instead by the the, the difference they make in our society so for me mm-hmm. that's a hopefully a good thing going forward although it's been a very difficult time for the care sector um yeah and, and again that we've we've spoken to quite a few care home managers unfortunately they've said that um some of the cognitive decline of, of some of their people living with dementia has been more substantial over the last a um, few months partly because they're they've not been able to see their family members and yeah. they've not been able to maybe do some of external people can't come in and do activities so it has it has been quite difficult for them in terms of activities as well so what mm-hmm. we've looked at doing is we've tried to we're in the 
the process of delivering new models. So we're working with the Open University and trying to do give more subscription services where we help to train up and upskill um, care workers and hopefully they can try and deliver classes um, internally rather than someone coming from an external perspective. But that's still, still quite an ongoing process and the, the situations of care homes are still quite difficult in terms of access. So we're trying to work, work around that and make sure that we can still hopefully deliver meaningful sessions, but through different means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good case of just needing to adapt where where possible but i think that's a really interesting idea of i guess then having the the carers become the teachers i guess in that scenario rather than having lingual flamingo tutors coming in and that sort of eliminates the issue of having an outsider come in and all of the health risks risks there yeah yeah exactly so it's just it's been yeah so i think that's the thing we're just trying to um, yeah, just trying to adapt to to the situation, but also be quite respectful of what's what's happening in care homes in the last six months, what continues to happen to the world. It's not it's an ongoing issue, unfortunately. So, um, speaking of tutors, how do you select who tutors the classes? Yeah, so we have like different schemes. So we've had a volunteer scheme, for example, where we. Um, had worked with um, people, a lot of students actually, some refugees, different people who have language skills, and we we trained them up over a kind of um, ten week period, and then they would teach for us. So the classes that we were doing were talking a lot about kind of sensory work. We talked about the accessibility of education. We talked about stigma and overcoming that, and then we also talked about the range. I mean, dementia in itself is is very wide ranging. It's I mean, it's got so many different um, different types of dementia, first of all, but also people can be very have different reactions in their dementia journey. So we speak about this and how like how that plays into a teaching or the the impact that has on people's brains as well. So we, we do have training sessions. We also have a lot of experienced tutors who come forward either treat, wanting to tutor um, older adults. We have people saying, "I've never done anything like that before. I'm really interested in, in doing that." Um, or we have people saying. You know, I'd love to teach in the hub classes who might live locally in Glasgow, although actually now that's maybe not such a, a big issue if the class is being online. So, yeah, so we do have kind of online training and we also have training in person. So that's how we kind of got the tutors, recruited them in the first place and then provided them with training going forward. Lovely. It's great. Yeah. It might inspire some people to actually get involved. Yeah, another shameless plug. Thank you. Enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> um, were there special considerations you've mentioned, for example, mentioning uh, that dementia can have a different, be a different journey for different people in the sort of training and selecting of your tutors. Do you have a special consideration for those who might then go work in the care sector versus those who might work in the hub? Yeah, certainly the, the training is more, um, well, the training is more advanced for people who go into the care sector just because of the, the teaching itself is very different and it is quite innovative, which is which is exciting, but it does mean that there's a lack of a lack of knowledge or very few people will have experience, first of all, teaching older adults languages, second of all, teaching people with dementia. So, yeah, so we have done a lot in terms of training up. We've, the training has been designed with the help of Open University, but also we've done lots of focus groups and discussions of care homes and of day centres to say about what they want to learn. And and that's the thing, like, I, you know, I I can talk about, like, the, the impact of um, learning and postponing dementia until the cows come home, but like there has to be some excitement and, and enjoyment for the participants who are, are doing these classes, because otherwise... Why would they? Yeah, why would they take part? So I think that's a big thing as well that we we do a lot of things to try and make them accessible. But another a prime consideration is also that they're fun and um, mm-hmm. and they engage older adults. Great. So in terms of the teaching materials, do you work mostly with workbooks or auditory things, video? Is it a combination? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 mainly well we have workbooks. So every participant gets a workbook in the workbook are being specially designed so they have just in general terms they have bigger bigger font there's more space for people to write in 
they're more they're more vibrant um they're not they're not too much in terms of foreign language so there's a, a sprinkling of foreign languages it's quite about the kind of cultural elements and you know some people for example might have parkinson's or might not be able to to write so we do try and show that the workbook although it's quite a good kind of basis we do lots of things which are maybe using um, more sensory materials like for example we do kind of sculpturing with uh, play-doh for example so i yeah. remember we did a um, an italian class and we were sculpturing famous Italian landmarks and there was one lady who was doing the Living Tower of Pisa and then she said um, she said to her pal oh Marie I've, I've not seen one of these for a while so, um, that's the thing so sculpturing brings back memories for different people yeah uh, or things like that or we've had for example uh, we've had a, a miniature Oktoberfest which was really lovely so we had like thimble fulls of like beer which we brought to the different participants and you know, it wasn't about get, um, getting drunk, but it was just about uh, kind of taking the enjoyment and bringing a, a week tour fest with the with some pretzels and some of, with like it's, um, people wear lederhosen as well. So it's really nice. So it's about taking like some of the part of the cultural elements and to bringing that into the care homes as well. So it's it's very yeah, it's very organic, and we try and make sure there's lots of games, lots of fun, yeah, and lots of festivities. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm 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 sure that the the learners definitely appreciate, especially the cultural approaches, because people tend to forget that that plays such a big role in language learning as well. So I'm guessing uh, they must have had a great time, not just because of the beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's, it's been good. Everyone's, you know, everyone's very different. We do try and, if, for example, a group wants to do more about gardening, then we might try and do a session outside in the in the care home garden. We talk about some of the vocab and stuff like that. So um, or some of the wildlife so it can be tailored and that's the thing of language learning i think that there's still a lot of um stigma about it being um being too difficult or not being accessible enough but i think you have to find the connection to the participants yeah very very true um so that sounds quite quite flexible that if you you know go outside and everything you you can adapt the classes to what the learners are interested in is that something that is very particular to teaching um elderly people or is that something that like an approach that you would use in the hub as well? Or is there something special about teaching the elderly? Well, just, just in terms of like, I guess one of the key considerations for, for non-pharmacist interventions in general is about this person-centered approach. You, for something to be meaningful, you need to try and connect with the individual. So I think that's what we've really tried to do. Um, and you know that's what has been very, very prominent within our, our classes. So yeah, so like I, I think that although we try and do that um, in your hub classes, you don't have the same range. So in care home classes, you could have people who um, could be older adults who are still um, constantly very sharp, for example, whereas you might have people in the same classes who um, might need more sensory support. So there's a much wider range, and that's why we, we have smaller classes. And the, the tutors, I mean, that's the thing. It's the tutors who do all the hard work. They're fantastic, and they deliver um, very, very tailored classes, and they speak to the care staff as well to make sure that the we know like the the some of the wishes of the older adults and trying so we can tailor around their wishes and needs. That's very good. That's wonderful. Yeah. And what sort of feedback have you gotten from I guess from from learners as well as maybe from care home staff? Yeah, it's been really promising. Like I think initially, I think some some care home staff were like you're off your heat in terms of um, <laughs> offering these classes, and there was a. It wouldn't really, it wouldn't really work. But like, I think like anything, I, 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 I kind of even in terms of my PhD as well. I do believe that, um, maybe not any activity, but lots of activities can be made accessible for people with dementia. And this, in this society, we have a kind of blanket ban that oh, you have dementia, you couldn't possibly do that. But actually, if you 
if you look at like the components of the activity, if you break it down, and if, I think lots of things can be made more accessible, and if there's staff support <laughs> to achieve that, then you know there shouldn't be so many barriers about um, giving like these activities for people. I, I remember one care home. There's this really fantastic um, care home activity coordinator who I think actually won care home activity coordinator of the whole of the UK. She was really fantastic, and she. Um, I remember she used to be really great at finding like the people's interest and then speaking to the wider community. And there's this one man who used to be uh, a sailor and he was like 95 and had, had quite severe dementia. And then they took him out in the boat and they, they, they obviously they made things sure that there was support with him. He was wearing his life jacket. It was the speed of the boat was going slowly. There was lots of support helping in and out the boat, but he had such an enjoyable experience and he never thought he'd be in the water again. And I, and I think a lot of people would think that was past him. And I, I don't really like, this opinion of something being passed through so um yeah so yes yeah, so we're just trying to kind of do that as well and make language learning as enjoyable as, as, as possible yeah it's fantastic i think uh, that yeah um a lot of times that um, basically having fun and the motivation that comes with that is often underestimated especially in elderly people like you said like oh what what is a person with dementia going to do but if you provide them a safe environment and a fun environment um it can do a lot it can go a long way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what was the feedback from the actual learners? Like, did they ever mention that it was maybe too hard or like, um, what was their feedback like? Or what has, has it been like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been very positive in general. I think people enjoy it. Like, um, they enjoy just how the kind of the excitement of the activity they enjoy being part of it also actually a lot of it is meeting uh, finding out new aspects of identity for certain people like um mm. language learning can open up new pathways so kind of activities so i think actually even between the, the care staff and the participants has been really nice about opening up these different chapters of their life so we've had lots of really lovely feedback i remember one story we had from a um, a participant's daughter actually who said that her mum used to be a librarian and then she hadn't um, hadn't spoken for four months and then she came onto the classes and she she sat there and she was engaged but in a, in a passive sense um, and I remember that after week five the um, we got an email from the daughter to say that she actually she said ciao um, and that was the first time she'd spoken for four months which might sound like a really wow. small thing but actually in terms of um, that relationship to her daughter was really amazing and in the last lessons she picked up a pen for the first time in over a year and she traced the word chow as well so although these might seem like really small things for the family it was a really a really big thing and i think that's the thing i think often it's the small things which can be overlooked but they play an important role in identity so yeah so that's one of my favorite examples but in general yeah lots of positivity about like the it being quite different as well like this being quite different from what's on offer like it's quite um, yeah, it's, it's quite innovative, which is good. But then you have to overcome maybe more perceptions about the uh, about language learning. But no, it's been a really positive experience, and not all the feedback. I mean, the feedback is also we've had times not negative feedback, but things we've got to work on. And, and I'm a big believer as well that you you can't just always have set learning plans that will always work. You have to tailor them and change them and update them. And we've tried mm -hmm. to do that as well. So there's been occasions where we've um, had feedback which maybe has been constructive and maybe not positive and we've really worked on that to make sure that we can um, learn from that going forward yeah especially those those little moments that you mentioned they might not sound like anything big but that's that's heartwarming right like that that just those little moments alone probably make everything worth it yeah i think so that for me it does it does make it worth it and I, I think that's the thing that partly of why you start a social enterprises primarily because of the, the social impact that you want to create or the social change. So yeah, for moments like that and hearing feedback um, from family members or from 
care staff has been really been really great and just to see even the pictures and stuff that we get as well it's lovely to see how happy people can be through language learning so yeah no it's been a lovely journey so far fantastic and in terms of so you mentioned that the classes that you offer especially in the care sector aren't there say for incredible proficiency or fluency in using the language to to speak with native speakers per se but it's more so about uh the identity and learning something new and engaging are there other benefits or or outcomes of these classes that you found maybe from the social side of things or from other um, self-confidence, anything like that from the learners? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a bilateral relationship as well. I think a lot of our tutors learn from the older adults as well. They can they learn um, about, about different things, especially about Scottish culture. We've, what we've done as well is we have a unit about school days and stuff. And that's really interesting because um, first of all, the techniques, obviously, if you're brought up in the 1920s, 1930s are very different from if you're brought up in the, um, and went to school in the 90s or the 80s. So that's been really interesting as well. And then them telling them parts about Scottish history or Scottish identity. And I think that's been really nice as well. And that's why I'm a big believer in as well. It's a bilateral relationship between the two there. Although they, they are students, they also teach our teachers um, certain things, which has been really nice. So no, I think there's, there's quite a wide impact as well. And I know that uh, for example, as well, as I said earlier on about challenging perception, like we um, we had two women as well who said that they voted for Brexit because they had this perception that Spanish Spanish fishing boats had like, stolen our fish and were fishing our waters and they never actually met anyone Spanish. And again, they, they met the tutor and then it kind of changed their opinion about, about who Spanish people were. And it's yeah, and that's what I really like as well. I, I like challenging fixed mindsets as well. And actually the mm-hmm. same way as well, a lot of a lot of tutors will still have fixed mindsets about dementia and about what that means. Um, and, and actually, um, with working with people with dementia and older adults, um, they challenge their own perceptions as well. So it does work both ways. Definitely, yeah. That sounds fantastic, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the impact and the, the various effects that these classes can have, do you have any research collaborations or collaborations with other institutions to look at the efficacy and, and impacts of these classes? I know you mentioned previously the Open University, for example. Yeah, so we, we have um, we have partnerships with the Open University, for example, who do things um, in terms of the teaching and making the teaching more accessible and looking at our delivery model. And then we've also worked with um, Glasgow Caledon University more about like the kind of quality side of things. So looking at the the kind of social impact, which is which is good for us, because every year we, we report back about what our social impact is. And then finally, with Edinburgh University, we have done actually a mixture of qualitative and quantitative data, but primarily mm-hmm. we've done work um, stuff about cognition, so looking at the the impact of language learning on the cognitive functions of um, not just older adults, actually, so adults across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good research if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone involved in said research. <laughs> It sounds super interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, yeah, all very interesting. Yes. So uh, speaking of uh, research, do you have any plans for the near or far future? Yeah, so actually what's quite exciting is we, we've got involved um, with a project called superlingo.eu. Um, so it's quite interesting, actually, because it came from Edinburgh University in terms of the, the initial connection. So with Alzheimer's, um, Greece, Alzheimer's, Slovenia, Alzheimer's, Romania, um, we are developing English um, classes for people with early stage dementia um, and with kind of aging brains in Slovenia, Greece and Romania. So that's been really interesting. So it's a kind of collaboration through the Erasmus Plus project. So a bit different from us because actually we're teaching English as a foreign language um, and kind of utilising a lot of the same things we've been doing in terms of accessibility of language learning 
but it's a bit different as well because it's an online language portal so it'll be, it'll oh, be okay. over mobile phones or tablets or um, on computers so that will hopefully go live um, in 2022 so the start of 2022 so we're still kind of working on the moment so that's really exciting and it's been great to work with international partners how interesting oh, that's yeah. really cool yeah and it's going to keep you busy for quite a while yeah exactly so it's, and it's been good it's been interesting as well in terms of the different dynamics of working with different cult- countries and also like even just the the different kind of cultural aspects within the the teaching of um English to Romanians as opposed to teaching Greeks, um, Greeks, English and stuff. It's actually really interesting about finding that level as well. But so, yeah, it's been really, really good so far. Very interesting. And that you mentioned that's online. So was that planned to be online prior to current circumstances or was it something that you decided to move online given the, the circumstances? No, actually, it was always going to be online. So actually, mm-hmm. I think the projects we initially got funding for um, a year and a half ago. So, yeah, it was just just the way things worked out. And obviously, it's been it's quite quite successful in terms of that we did do kind of online teaching. Um, so yeah, so excited to see where that where that goes. Yes, definitely. You were ahead of the times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were. It wasn't, it wasn't my application, so I can't take credit. But yeah, they were. Alzheimer's Greece were. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so I think that's all of the questions that we have for now. I'm sure we could talk about this for many, many more hours. So thank you everyone for listening. And thank you most importantly to Robbie for joining us today and, and giving us some of your time. No, thanks thank you very me. much. We hope you enjoyed it and learned some cool things or at least some thought provoking information from our amazing guests. If you'd like to learn more about Lingo Flamingo and possibly sign up for an online language class through the hub, you can go to Lingo Flamingo's website, lingoflamingo.co.uk. They also have various social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram the information you can find in the episode description. Stay tuned, stay healthy, and... Man trifft sich zweimal im Leben, also hoffentlich sind wir sehen uns ein anderes Mal wieder. Um, so in, in life you meet twice, so hopefully we'll get to catch up another time. <laughs>